Welcome to another episode. We got Brandon here again, as usual. So last episode, we went over all like the major moves of free agency uh, that had happened up until last Friday night. Um, and this, uh, of course, as it as it happens, the biggest news happened like a couple hours after we recorded. Um, so we're recording Friday, July 7th. And Dame Lillard now, it's been like five or six days since he requested a trade officially from the Blazers. So definitely got to start with that. Uh, what are just like initial thoughts on that? Uh, and then kind of take it whatever direction you want. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been so interesting, man. You know, I think for the past few years, everyone around the NBA fans, you know, other players, everyone's kind of been fantasizing, wondering what would it be like if Dane played somewhere else? And it's kind of crazy that we're, we're, we're finally here, you know, now. And it feels like it was all so anticlimactic the way the news even came out. Like they had a productive meeting was from the sound of it. And a few days later, you know, this news comes out. So obviously a big power move, a big domino, you know, you get in the top, 75 player of all time you know on your team you know in his prime still just came off a year we averaged over 30 you know highest of his career so very you know big piece on the move here and at the end of the day you know it's fascinating obviously right like the big three that they could form in miami everyone's been talking about how this could be you know the the most well put together big three as far as all the pieces you know complementing one another um and i do agree you know however i'm sure there are many other places where dame could fit in and compete um, you know, Boston, you know, I'm sure there's probably an angle for Philly, many other teams as well. So what's been interesting to me is, you know, Dame is only, you know, he's made it clear that he only really wants to play for the Heat. I heard there were talks he might want to play for the Warriors at some point before the CP deal. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, if he wants to win, if that's his ultimate goal, you know, to me, it's it's a little interesting that he only is, you know, considering the Heat when, you know, there, there are definitely other contenders out there. And if somebody's willing to spend to get you, you know, again, I'm going to keep going back to the Celtics. They have the assets to make this trade happen, whereas the Heat don't, right? Um, if you want to win, Dame, you know, is this not a market, you know, you would consider? Um, so at the end of the day, I think um, it's a very interesting situation, and it leads me to really, you know, kind of question, um, you know, I think what everyone else has been questioning, you know, when it look, comes to loyalty, you know, is it the franchise that owes Dame after all these years that he's, you know, put in work, or is it, you know, Dame that owes the fan franchise that has paid him, you know, over $250 million, you know, to this point um, and allowed him to be the face of the franchise um, and give him all of that privilege and, you know, access. Right. So, you know, I'm curious, like what you think, man, like, do you feel as if loyalty goes one way, you know, over the other, or do you feel like there's, there's one right way of looking at this? Um, it just feels like a crazy situation all around. Yeah, no, it's super weird. It feels like it's, like you said, been so many years where we kind of like, talked about this but it was always hypothetical now it actually happened the timing's super weird uh and yeah so the heat the thing about him only wanting to play for miami is interesting because like they really don't have that great of a of a package to give up for him there's a lot of teams out there that have significantly better trade packages they could put together so yeah when it comes to that like loyalty point it's tough because I, I mean i feel like dame is, has been one of my favorite players for a few years now uh, just because of the loyalty and how he doesn't He's not worried about the like you know extra stuff off the court. He's more just just ball out when he's playing. Um, and yeah, I don't know because like what is, what are you doing if you're Portland if you just if you don't take the best package available, best trade offer available? Um, like yeah, what is I don't know. Yeah, that's it's a tough question because what is that loyalty like? Dame did stay there, but again, like you mentioned, they rewarded him. I would say with the contract that they gave him, which was 
which is just recap for for everyone. Uh, in the the final year of that deal, he's going to be making over sixty three million dollars in one year. So, could that be considered the Blazers paying him back? Um, it's tough. It really is tough because you're Portland. Also, you don't want to like make any enemies when it comes to star players because it's not like anyone's choosing you as a free agent destination anyways. Um, so I think if I was running the Blazers, I would, I, I think I'd have to take the best package available. It's just try and, you know, say sorry to Dame, whatever you have to do, but just let him know, like, I have to do my job. I have to get the best return. Like Tyler Hero and a bunch of Miami Heat future picks is not, that's nothing compared to what they could get from other, some of the other teams that you mentioned. Uh, and some of the just other teams like Utah, the teams with like these crazy uh, caches of just tons of future picks. I feel like you have to take, you have to get the best return for your, for your team. And that's, that's your job as a GM. So I don't know if you can be loyal unless it's like a Kobe situation or someone like that, who, you know, won multiple championships with, with your franchise. That, that is the key missing element. You know, have you won, have you won any championships, you know, and you could obviously make the argument that they didn't give him enough to make that, make that happen. Right. Which is completely fair, fair to say. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been, you know, interesting situation. If I'm a Portland fan, you know, I feel the same exact way, you know, Portland's in a great situation. You know, I'm sitting here watching, you know, Scoot and, you know, Shade and Sharp play and these two kids, you know, they look like the future, not to mention the sub Simons, they have Grant on obviously a massive deal at this point, but you have assets, you know, and you have some draft picks as well. So obviously maximizing the Dame return, like your, your rebuild is going to be so sped up. You know, if you can get one young, talented player, that's maybe a few steps ahead of where, you know, Shaden and um, Scoot are, then, you know, you're looking at a very interesting team really quick here. And, you know, one thing that has really surprised me, maybe not, maybe not too much, but, you know, a bit is seeing how much people value Tyler Hero. Um, especially compared to other players that are similar to him. I've always kind of pegged Tyler Hero as a comp for like Tyrese Maxey and Jordan Poole. Like I've always kind of put them in the same conversation. Of course, I always say Maxey is a little better than both of them, but it's kind of fascinating to me that, you know, you know, Philly makes uh, Maxey pretty much untouchable, right? You know, again, it may be a hair or two ahead of where Hero is at this point. But Hero is like getting thrown away. His name's getting passed around everywhere. He's already taken, you know, Miami Heat off of his, you know, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. And it feels like he's just going for whatever people give, you know, give up for him, right? We obviously saw Jordan Poole go for the low. So, yeah, that's also been interesting just seeing like the fluctuation and like how these, you know, different front offices value these players, right? Yeah, for sure. That's a good, I like that kind of, it's like a tier of similar style players where they're all like, you know, they're, they're best with the ball in their hands. They're not traditional point guards, but they can make plays, but they also are just like microwave scorers. And yeah, you, I mean, you can even see like Jordan Poole when the Warriors won the championship, what feels like forever ago, but that was a year ago, basically. You know, his value was at all time high. People are saying like, oh, this is how the Warriors can transition from, you know, one era to the next is him. And now one year later, he's he's getting traded. Like the, the Wizards have to, or the Warriors had to give up a pick, I think, to get rid of him. Uh, and yeah, Hero, just because he didn't play in the playoffs this year, like, you know, which is, it's kind of funny because he could have played and like flamed out in the finals, right? And then his value would be maybe lower than it is now, or he could have balled out. Like, it is, it's weird. Like when you don't play, it's weird to see how teams value, value you. And he's super young. His contract's not great, but it's also not, it's not ridiculous compared to some of the contracts that we've seen recently. I think it's, four for 120 so 30 million a year like probably a little bit 
of an overpay. Uh, but I mean, even again, like that's not that's not crazy when you think about what we've seen from him. And he's super young too. Um, yeah, so it really seems like so the Heat don't have the best package, but that's where Dame wants to go. You were saying before we started recording, his agent is like going around telling teams if you trade for him, he won't even report. Which I feel like that's I, I kind of I feel bad, not feel bad because we mentioned how much money Dame's making, but just you know he doesn't want to have to be doing all this like kind of politicking and playing that that game. So it makes sense why his agent is doing that for him. That's his job. But where would you like to see Dame? Like if you know if, if everything's on the table, where would your uh, preferred destination for him be? Ooh, that's a great question, man. Um, I mean, the three we I think we both have mentioned the three teams that are very interesting or at least hot names in in the in the running, you know, to get Dame, which you know, obviously Miami, um, the Celtics keep on coming up. Um, there's been some interesting moves. It feels like they've been making, you know, Grant Williams trade, which you can talk about later. Feels like that could have been, you know, a move to either clear up cap, I guess you could say to resign Jalen Brown maybe to the max, or is that potentially to, you know, make room for a Dame trade, you know, uh, down the road. Um, but, you know, if I'm going to say, you know, if there's a one place I'd prefer to see him play, it's a guy who doesn't like the Celtics much. I definitely don't want to see him there because that, that would be scary. Any combination of him and Tatum could, could get, you know, pretty frightening for the league. So I honestly would want to, I'd want to see him play in Philly. You know, I want to see what would happen if you put a guy like that next to a center like Joel Embiid. You know, I think that would be the ultimate kind of test for everyone in the league to see, like, you know, can you win with Embiid? If you can't win with Embiid and Dame Willard, like, it just feels like you can't win with Embiid at that point. So I kind of want to see what would happen if you put them together. Like, do you create a the dynamic duo of the of the decade? Like, you know, it could be or it could be a straight flop. So I personally would love to see him there. I'm sure Philly fans would probably be interested in that, but yeah, anything to keep him away from Boston. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Keep him away from Boston. And I, I was going to pick Philly also, so I'll throw out a second team after this. But yeah, the Philly fit, I think, would be, I think that would be the best. Like, first of all, Philly fans would love, would just love Dame, like his approach to the game and everything. It's kind of the complete opposite of Harden, which I feel like they got totally sick of uh, by the end of the playoffs. And just Dame's like, thing about Harden's thing is he kind of shrinks in the playoff, mm-hmm. the moments big. Dame is the exact opposite, like multiple series ending shots, which is just ridiculous. Like it's cool enough to have one, but he has two. Um, and then I think, yeah, him, Dame and MB together would be a really fun duo. I think like we saw Nurkic playing with Dame made him look like he was a legit, like he was putting up 18 and 10 for a couple seasons in a row. Uh, and obviously MB does everything that Nurkic is good at, but like 50 times better. So I think that would be an awesome pairing on offense, obviously. And then, they have enough defense with Embiid as the rim protector and uh, D'Anthony Melton can guard the other guard and TJ Tucker obviously can guard anybody. Um, so I think that would be the best fit. I guess it would just depend on, so they'd obviously have to give up Maxi in the trade and how much other stuff, uh, you know, obviously a couple first round picks, I'm guessing maybe some like salary filler, but I think that would be the most fun outcome. Um, Cause then you'd finally have, yeah, it'd be like, it'd be, kind of no excuse time for both Dame and Embiid because Embiid can say like, oh, I was with Ben Simmons. Like, look, look, you know, obviously we've seen what happened with him. Oh, and then I got paired with Harden, who we've seen what happens to him in the playoffs every year. And now with Dame and Embiid together, there'd be no excuses left for for either of them. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting you bring up the Nurkic piece with Dame as well, because you know he's also played with, you know, Aldridge back in the day. And Aldridge, you know, obviously used to be dominant in his own right, you know, 20 and 10 guy, um, you know, in the early 2010s. Um, so he also has some experience even deferring, you know, to um, an all-star level big, or at least playing with one, um, especially one that, you know, can work in the mid post, which obviously we all know Embiid is a monster at. Um, and yeah, I'm not even comparing, I don't want you guys to comparing Embiid to, you know, Aldridge here. But at the end of the day, it's just, you know, saying that, hey, this guy can play with a big guy that needs a lot of touches. And at the end of the day, it's tough to say, but, you know, even with Dame, that's still Embiid's team. So I think that would be interesting to see as well as like, you know, how do the two of them gel together? Where is there any deferring? And at the end of the day, you know, does I'm assuming if you get Lillard, you have to get rid of Maxi. So, um, you know, how do you fill out that team as well? I imagine you keep Tobias Harris and is that at that point you just fill in the roster, you know, whoever you can get your hands on or what? Um, but yeah, they need to be able to complete that roster around those, those two guys as well. Yeah, for sure. And it's, I mean, they did lose George Niang, who we kind of t- talked about when he went to the Cavs, which doesn't seem like a huge loss, but I mean, again, if you Solid. add, yeah, yeah. That's the kind of guy that you, you need to have on, on a team like that. Um, okay. But so since you already took Philly, this is just kind of the random, like, I don't even know how, realistic it is but this would be the most fun just kind of fake like hypothetical if somehow you could go like full inception mode and go into whoever whoever runs the trailblazers go into their dream and convince them that like that car anthony towns is the next dirk you know he is the best shooting big man of all time he just needs a change of scenery and somehow do a trade centered around cat that sends dame to minnesota and cat and you know i don't mean the the wolves don't have picks obviously because they gave up all of them to get gobert but if you could somehow do a deal uh, you know centered around cat and somehow not give up Jaden mcdaniels also that would be another tough part but if somehow all that could happen what would you think about just do look at it from minnesota's perspective first they have dame anthony edwards and gobert as their you know quote-unquote big three Ooh, man, that's actually a good one. Um, I love that for basketball reasons, you know, for both sides, actually. You know, it would be pretty interesting to see Cat on the t- uh, on the Trailblazers with, again, that young backcourt, you know, plus Simons if you somehow keep, you know, if you keep them as well. Like, that's an interesting, you know, team you can build around for the future. Um, you know, it's going to take a while for them to compete, but I could definitely see a future with that core. And then on the flip side, like you said, you know, looking at the you know, Blazers, man, Dame has never had like a true, you know, rim protector like Gobert. So I'd be curious to see, you know, what it would look like if you, you know, pair those guys together, not to mention, you know, Ant, who's, you know, becoming a superstar in his own right. The only issue is we all know Dame. There's no way that dude would report to, to Minnesota. But, um, man, if that, was, if that wasn't a blocker here, that would be a really interesting basketball trade. Yeah. I mean, they'd have to – I feel like Dame is, you know, obviously loves playing basketball. And I'm sure if he, if somehow this fake trade went through, I think he could talk himself into that being a super nice fit. Um, Cause you know, the thing with him and CJ McCollum was always like, they were going to score obviously, but they're both just two undersized guards in the backcourt. That just doesn't work. So if you have Gobert defending the back line, and then I think Anthony Edwards is going to be like an elite defensive player too. Cause he's already shown like when he's locked in, He's just a freak athlete. He's huge, yeah. a two guard. Like that would be the perfect backcourt. And then obviously with Gobert and whatever other pieces they they still have around them. Like maybe you do that if you're if you're Minnesota. Would you do, or if you're both these teams, would you do 
Dame for Cat and Jaden McDaniels to make it a little more fair because you're getting two young guys back if you're Portland? Ooh, I mean, uh, that would it would almost have to be that, you know, no, because, you know, Minnesota mortgaged a lot of their future, you know, to get Gobert. So, you know, they're a little light on draft capital. I think the Blazers have been on record saying that they want, you know, you know, essentially a star level player close to it, plus multiple. I heard four first round draft picks. So, you know, I don't know, based on that asking price, um, I don't know if that deal would get done. Of course, you know, Cat, I think, has a premium. You know, he's more than just a star in that scenario. Maybe he equals a star plus two draft picks. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, the Blazers asking price is pretty high. It's very high. Um, you know, and the market was set last offseason, which, you know, kind of throws everything off. Um, but is it still realistic to expect that much from a 32-year-old? Granted, again, coming off the best season of his career, um, you know, and top 75 player of all time. But, yeah, you're willing to give up four first-rounders for him? It's a lot. Yeah. That seems like that's just their kind of, you know, starting point. Where, like, obviously, you have to ask for the world, basically, like, ask for the best possible package back and then you know and then kind of work down from there but uh, that'd be funny if i if at a certain point portland was just so fed up of like oh it has to be miami i'm only playing for miami they're just like all right we'll just take cat and and mcdaniels like let's just get some some still young talent but like guys who could kind of speed up our timeline a little bit i guess i don't know if it's not like football where teams don't trade like within their same division but i don't know if you'd want to send him to the west and that would be minnesota like really we thought they went all in with the Gobert trade last year. This would be their way of being, which honestly I think they need to do because we saw last year that did not work out. I think they might need to take it even a step further and try something, something kind of crazy like this. And the reason why I love that deal is I think Cat needs a change of scenery. It's not his team anymore. For one, he doesn't fit well with Gobert. Like that's yeah. I think on in theory that that pairing made sense, but you basically are relegating Cat to be a perimeter player. You know, because Gobert is not going to leave the paint. So, you know, this is a seven footer that has proven to us year year after year he can take it off the dribble. He has some post moves and he's a perimeter player, but you're basically taking away that aspect, you know, those aspects of his game. So yeah. I think between that and yeah, him losing his kind of like franchise player, you know, tag, if you will, um, I think it's a good time for him to find a new place to to ball out. So I, I actually like that deal, man. Like I don't know if they'd want to say throw some second rounders in there for fun or not, but at that point, you know, if you're that close to pulling the trigger. Why not? Why not throw those in? Yeah. Yeah. And then see, then you also are, if you uh Portland, you're not sending Dame to where he wants to go necessarily, but you're still sending him to a team where they would jump up to, you know, one of the favorites in the West right away. If they, if they did that move. Um, and then if you're Portland, you still have your young core. That'd be a super fun lineup too. If it was, Scoot, Simons, Sharp, Jeremy Grant, and Cat. There would be not much defense being played. Uh, but honestly, I feel like Jeremy Grant's an awesome defensive player. I think Scoot is going to be really good on defense. He seems like, even just in it's, it is summer league, but he tries on defense, which is more than you could say about, I feel like, a lot of you know players in the NBA. So that would be, a, they wouldn't make the playoffs next year or anything, but they would be a, they wouldn't be an easy win, you know, by, by any means. It's an athletic team right there. <laughs> a lot of shooting too. Just yeah, just speed, shooting, athleticism. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we'll we'll see what happens with Dame. You know, I, I don't know how long this is gonna, you know, drag out. I mean, if you had to put over under on it, like we talking another week here or what, man? 
Yeah, I feel like if I had to guess, obviously I have no idea, but I think it would take, I think it'll take a little while just because I think we are in with the weird timing of when he requested it and now just how public it's getting with all the like, he he needs to go to Miami and that's it. I, I think it's going to get, I think it'll get weird. Uh, yeah. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I, I, it seems like there's a lot of, you know, conversations happening behind the scenes like you know a lot of weird you know situations even as a bulls fan you know i I shared this with you before but there's even red flags to me like you know we haven't signed any of our you know off-season signings i'm hearing rumors about levine still being floated and talks with you know philly and portland and you know it just feels like at this point if you're a front office you gotta at least call and just see what's going on right you're you know if you're not doing that then, then something's wrong but it's at least worth, you know, gauging the market. And I think that's what Portland has to do. They have to do their diligence and take their time and make the right choice after over a decade of investing in this, this, this player, you know, and um, what he's meant to this city. So I think it's only right that they take their time. You know, if that means takes, you know, a few weeks to find the right offer, then it takes a few weeks. But um, at the end of the day, it feels like something's going to have to give when it comes to Dame's camp as well. Um, I know again, agents trying to strong arm and everything, but it just feels like something kind of has to give there, or there has to be some other option, you know, other route. It's just the, the Heat are just such a bad match for this trade. They just don't have what they don't have what it what it takes to acquire Dame at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just their only leverage is that he, that's the only team he wants to go to. Which we'll see how much weight that carries. Uh, and yeah, I think that I think what you said about something's going to have to give with Dame's camp is a good point to bring up too, because like I mentioned earlier, he's kind of the opposite of Harden on the court and off the court where if Harden wants to get traded, we've seen he'll show up to camp like 30 pounds overweight and just be like, I'm going to look like this. I'm going to play like this until you trade me. I don't think Dame has that in him. Like once the training camp starts, once the game start, like what is he going to be like? How's he going to feel if he's just still waiting for something to happen? You know? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, it's just it just doesn't feel like it's in his DNA. He'd be wasting, you know, essentially like potentially one of the last years of his prime by sitting out. And especially if you're getting traded to a competitive team, like if you want to win, why not do what Kawhi did? You know, shit, even if it means you're requesting a trade in a year, like I'm sure there's some franchises that would gladly mortgage, you know, a few years of their future for one year, one year's chance at winning a chip, you know? Um, it's risky. And so your fan base is going to love you in the moment and going to hate you years after, but you know, it's something I think you got to roll the dice on as well. You know, talk to Dame's camp, give us one year, give us one year to prove to you that Boston is the place for you. We're going to build this team around you and Tatum. <laughs> I don't know. How to, I don't know how you say no to that pitch unless you just don't want to play in Boston, um, which I'm guessing that's the case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause Dame's all about winning. So it is weird that he, is turning down all these other teams that are like, I mean, if the, if he went to the heat, obviously they're just in the finals and he's exactly what they, what they were missing. But I mean, I don't know, is like him on the heat, is that team that much better than him going to Philly or, or Boston? Like, I don't, I don't think any one of those teams has like a significantly better chance of winning with him than, than the others do. So it is weird. I guess he just, I mean, everyone loves Miami. I don't know if him and, Jimmy Butler are close or what, but he's like super intent on going there for, for whatever reason. Yeah. And, you know, the last thing I'll, I'll say on it is, you know, who knows, you know, they might, he might go there and they might not even win, you know, at the end of the day, we keep talking about how they're in the finals, but they were at AC last year and a lot of stars had to align for them to get to where they got, you know, you know, naming, you know, you know, like Giannis getting hurt. Is that going to happen again? You know, 
we'd be talking about a completely different scenario here potentially if the heat just got bounced in the in the first round could you imagine that then yeah. what are we talking about here yeah. so you know that's also interesting like damn are you really sure you know you gotta be confident in yourself obviously but are you sure you're gonna come in and you know make this team you know a title you know title team at the end of the day so that's also something to be interesting to see yeah yeah definitely no i think this whole scenario it's always interesting when a, a star asks out um but it's, it's especially interesting when it's a star like damian lillard who has you know has been with the same team his whole career and we didn't know if this day would ever come and now here it is uh and he just fits with with so many different teams too so that'll be fun to follow along and yeah i do think it'll it might take a while for, for everything to get sorted out there um but then to finish the trade request uh segment you had do you have some stuff about harden that you want to bring up because we still haven't gotten any uh resolution on that front either yeah i mean uh harden's situation is just so interesting as well i mean he obviously you know first of all i don't even want to mention these guys in the same breath because um you know dame is in a completely different situation he has a lot more leverage and he's more desired at this point in his career um you know, Harden, I think this is like his third trade request now. And uh, I don't know how many years it's been. It feels like it's been one per year. But at this point, you know, I feel like it's just damaging his legacy um, by what he's doing. You know, if you can't win with all of these, you know, all time great players and, you know, what does that what does that say about you, you know, at this point? So, you know, James could easily try and force his way to the Clippers, like, you know, biggest rumor we've all been hearing and you know, yeah, you'll have a big three there plus Westbrook, but it's, you know, what happens when you don't win with that team? Are you then going to look for the next one to move on to after that? You know, health has been an issue. And at the end of the day, like his, his mentality and approach to the game just, you know, it's just not what you typically see in a, you know, franchise player that you're winning championships with and building around. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I'm hearing a lot of interesting things, you know, Brian Windhorst has said some weird things, cryptic things on, you know, ESPN, like he always does. And, you know, saying that there's some things going on with Daryl Morey. He doesn't know what, but he wishes he could tell us. So at the end of the day, I think they got something cooking up there. It's weird that they haven't extended Maxi yet. Cause if, you know, if you're saying you won't trade him, he's untouchable and you haven't extended him yet. That doesn't add up to me. So you let Niang go. Um, you haven't really spent, you know, any money this offseason. Something, something's going on over there. I have no clue what it could be. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, if you're the if you're the Sixers, you gotta at least get someone um, that's close to Harden's level to, you know, try and replace that, you know, with Embiid. Otherwise, you're gonna risk him wanting to leave, you know, in a few years. But hey, you know, if I'm looking at it from a half a glass half full, you know, perspective versus empty. You know, Harden leaving is the best thing that can happen for Maxi. If Maxi truly is who you want to build around, you know, put the ball in his hand, you know, and you realistically got to look at Embiid and you got to start asking the question, you know, this guy is close to 30, history of injuries, his value is at an all-time high. You know, if you lose Harden, my hot take is you got to move Embiid at some point. Oh, yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, that is weird, actually, that they haven't extended Maxi. It just feels like Harden's going to end up on the Clippers for some reason, just because the Clippers are the team that always does these weird moves. And, you know, they haven't really got any return on getting Kawhi and Paul George. Like they're super hyped up going into every season and then been to the West finals once and Kawhi was hurt that year. So I could just hope to see them doing that move out of desperation. Uh, yeah, man, that'd be kind of crazy that Philadelphia could just do a full rebuild. Like if, I guess it depends what they can get back for Harden. But like, what if the only 
offers out there are more centered around like draft picks and young guys, not necessarily like guys that can help them win now. Uh, and this is, it's interesting too to like look at these scenarios, um, you know, and take into consideration who the GM of the teams are. Cause like with the, with the Blazers, I don't even know who the guy is. I don't know what their kind of track record is, but with, with the Sixers, it's Daryl Morey who we've, he's, it feels like he's always involved in these situations and including when he got uh, Harden from, from Brooklyn for Ben Simmons. So with him, like, you know, he's, he's okay with just waiting these things out and just making it super uncomfortable. You throw another wrench in there because him and Harden are like the most random star player and GM, like best friends. Uh, So like, would he, I don't know, which is weird. Like, you know, he obviously wants to have Harden on his team, but if Harden wants out, like what, I can see that getting weird too with those guys kind of in their, their history with each other. Definitely. Um, You know, and the other thing that it makes this Harden trade more tricky is from what I've heard is because of the way his deal is structured, he can't, he can only really sign like a one year extension. So wherever he's getting traded, you basically run the risk of losing him for nothing after one year. So you aren't really incentivized to give up much value for him. So that's another reason why his value has to be at all time. You can't take his word for it that he's going to resign after a year at this point. I don't think anyone would trust that. So um, yeah, man, and I'm, I'm curious, you know, what are some uh, trade destinations that you um, want to see for, for hard maybe like outside of the Clippers? Like, is there any team you could, you could even see him fitting in on, you know, at this point in his career? That's the thing. Like with 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 Dame, he fits on every team. With Harden, it's so weird because he's he's obviously still he puts up numbers, and we saw in the playoffs like he can go off and carry you to wins, not consistently, but you know every once in a while. But again, just the uncertainty of how he's going to age too, which I feel like we can say mm-hmm. is not not super well. So I just don't know. Like young teams, why would they want him? Because he would just take the ball away from their you know their prospects, and then teams who are further along in their kind of you know uh contention status like i don't know why they would want to add him to the mix too and just kind of risk ruining that chemistry and like you said losing him for nothing so that's why the clippers would be the big team i mean honestly kind of falls into the same vein as the clippers kind of out of desperation they might do it uh the chicago bulls i could see that that'd probably be the other team that i could see making a trade for him yeah i mean uh i hope not but you know hey at the end of the day like I suppose the Bulls could use somewhat of a shakeup, but um, yeah, the biggest thing is, you know, I, I feel like we'd end up overpaying, you know, for his services, but I think there's a lot of maybe interesting landing places for him, you know, like Toronto could potentially be something that could be interesting. You know, Nick Nurse, you know, handpicks a few, you know, some players from his old team that he wants to bring over to to Philly, you know, move, move Harden over there. It feels like they're going to need a new perimeter creator after Van Vliet's gone. You know, maybe that's an interesting, you know, landing spot. I don't know how the money would work out. Um, and that might feels like OG Ananobi or somebody would have to be a part of that deal, which I don't know if they'd want to, you know, let go of. But um, that feels like it could be an interesting uh, move there if the Raptors don't want to go full rebuild. Yeah, that, that's a good point. That, that, that's the thing. Like, I just don't know what what the Raptors are trying to do. They're actually one of the more underrated, like, interesting teams now that they lost Van Vliet and they could get, if they wanted to do the the full rebuild, I feel like they could get a ton of um, assets for Ananobi, and I think they can get a good amount for Siakam too. Like he's won the finals, he's played in those big games. Uh, yeah, and then obviously they have Scotty Barnes, so like I don't think they'd want to 
full full tank but yeah I don't, that'd be weird i wonder how what the uh strip club scene is like in toronto like would would harden be cool with that i mean he would be i'm guessing him and drake could kick it but i don't know that'd be that's an interesting fit for sure i don't know who their new coach that they hired is like a first time head coach i think right yep yeah first time uh first first time head coach so That'd also be interesting, you know. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't uh put anything past Masai Ujiri. I mean, he's always been the one to to make these, you know, aggressive moves. You got another dude on the other end, like you said, Daryl Morey, who's in the same camp. So, you know, maybe those two guys get together for lunch and they make something crazy happen. But yeah, to your point, you know, Harden is at this point like a guy who, you know, is very you know, heliocentric play style where everything runs through him, like doesn't necessarily jive in today's league unless you're, you know. 20 you're talking about 2016 2017 Harden you know where you're putting up crazy numbers so at this point in his career he's gotta continue to make a few tweaks like he's made changes to his game and it's worked but um yeah it just doesn't work out for the play in the playoffs you know um especially when he's your number one or two guy so yeah yeah and I think these guys have always been linked throughout their careers uh Harden and Westbrook but I just wonder if if Harden could be entering that stage of his career where he's like Westbrook a couple years ago where you know, a desperate team like the Lakers makes a terrible trade, gives up a ton of assets for him. And then immediately it's like, oh, shit, that was a mistake. This is not working out. I might have to buy him out. And then he just kind of floats from team to team, just trying to see where he can stick, which I can see that happening with Harden because obviously like the numbers are still there, but it's not, you know, it's more of like the the eye test, which is the same with Westbrook. Like he was still putting up triple double type numbers, but it was just, you know, kind of the same thing where young teams didn't want him taking the ball out of their prospects hands and good teams are too smart at that point to like kind of just scrap their entire offensive game plan to to fit around this kind of past his prime ball dominant superstar so that'll be another interesting one uh yeah what if Harden just got bought out or something like that would be <laughs> that would be not like I mean it actually wouldn't be as surprising as with some other players just because it is it's hardened but i feel like anything's on the table with him right now yeah i think the one thing that's clear is like you know he after this last you know year maybe give him one more year of making this level of money he could be looking at like you said you know uh, not a vet minimum but a mid-level exception kind of contract you know it might be that that stage of his career if he wants to especially compete for for a championship so yeah, it'll be interesting definitely weird to see these shifts as guys get older but um, yeah, not surprised at all that, that James Harden has given us some drama in the offseason again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's like just a, a normal thing. And I feel like this is the last year where people like will actually care about it because I think it will turn into that where it's just like, all right, man, you're not that guy anymore. Like, you don't need to do this every year because I feel like not that many teams even really want you on their team. So it's not like it's not Dame Lily requesting a trade where everyone's at least making a phone call to see if they can get into the sweepstakes. I feel like right now it's the, uh, Daryl Morey having to call teams and be like, hey, so do you see this? I was just watching this game from 2017 where James had like 50, 17, and 15. It was pretty cool. Uh, would you guys be interested in trading for him? Possibly. Uh, it's yeah. like a used car salesman. I got this uh, 2010 Subaru uh, <laughs> fully loaded. It was the MVP a couple times, <laughs> scoring leader a couple times. Uh, it's not that anymore, but it, it still runs. Like, you know, he'll just obviously play up like all the all the playoff accolades from this past year, like the good games, forget about the bad ones. But I'm, I feel like other GMs at this point are also kind of like, I bet they're kind of just tired of Daryl Morey always like getting the headlines as, you know, this 
super smart GM. I feel like they might just automatically when he calls them, it's like, oh God, what does this guy want? Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not agreeing to anything with this guy. Yeah. So I mean, we'll we'll see. Um, I guess a good way to wrap this one. Yeah, what's what's the what's your what's your take on the timeline for Harden? Do you feel like something's gonna happen sooner than later? Or are we gonna look at another drawn out situation here? This one I could see honestly going even into the season because we've seen that Maury is okay with like with Ben Simmons before he made that trade. He, you know, Ben Simmons was on the team, I think, right? He started the season with them. Um, and we obviously we've seen Harden get just get his freshman 15 at any age if he's trying to get off the team. So it'll be an interesting staring contest between those two guys. So I, I think I could see this one taking a while. What about you? Same thing, man. I, I don't know if you saw the pictures of, of, you know, Harden at the all white party, but he looked like he already put 10 of those 15 on. So I think he, he's already halfway uh, there to his game plan for heading into training camp. So, uh, but all seriousness, man. Yeah. I, I could see this one dragging out a bit as well. Um, you know, at the end of the day, his destination doesn't really mean anything. Like Dame's destination, and you know, carries some weight. We know where he wants to go, but at this point, like, yeah, if I'm Daryl Morey, I'm the Sixers. It's just like, yeah, whatever I can, whatever the best offer is, like, just let's just run it. Just let's get it, get it done. Um, and I think you got to be real with with the return. And at the end of the day, it's not going to be perfect. You got to look at what would complement what, what's going to be left on your team. So whatever sets you up to have the best roster. Um, going forward but yeah it could be drawn out man i'm not holding my breath yeah for sure um okay so we'll take a break here all right uh we just got distracted by the first glimpses of Wemby on an nba court in summer league so apologies for that but it's it's living up to the hype and spend like two minutes but i think we should go over some of the just some of like the other minor like free agent signings and sign and trades that happened since we recorded last week um I think actually first we should do because Austin Reeves signed after our episode last week. And so we just briefly go over his because it was an insane deal. It was four years, 56 million. So only 14 million a year. He's like 25 was the Lakers third best guy in the playoffs last year. Showed that he could be like a you know primary ball handler, creator, elite three point shooter. And he's not bad on defense. He's not like a liability or anything, you know, big enough body that he can at least not just be a, a cone on defense. Um, so what do you think about the Lakers getting that steal for, for Reeves? Yeah. I mean, um, you had to bring him back for sure. Um, you know, he showed a lot, like you said, last year, um, surprised a lot of people. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, you don't want a situation to happen where, you know, you lose another young, talented, homegrown guy, like you've seen the Lakers, you know, do over the past few years. So, um, you know, I think it was a good deal I, going into the off season. I, Heard a lot of crazy numbers like, you know, he might make up to 80 million, you know, total over his deal. So, you know, 56 feels like a good number. I am curious, like what the market looked like for him. So I didn't really hear much about other teams, you know, talking. Maybe it's because everyone knows the Lakers will just match anyway. But, you know, I'm also wondering, you know, who are the Lakers bidding against? They just bid against themselves here. But at the end of the day, you can't feel bad about that deal um, if he continues to perform. I think at the end of the day, you just got to figure out like, you know, rotations and, Guys, they're bringing in a lot of new guys, right? So you got to figure out how to make sure you're maximizing his game. Um, and, you know, there's so many times last year when he had the ball in his hands and so many things went right for the team. Even, you know, him having the ball with LeBron, some possessions, right? Uh, he showed a knack for being able to draw fouls, you know, get to the line a lot, work in the mid-range, solid passer, high IQ. So um, at the end of the day, it feels like he has a solidified role on this team going forward. I just hope they continue to figure out how to utilize him. But, yeah, great sign. 
signing. And I think it could be looked at as a steal a few years from now if he continues to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just the way he's trending too, like not even just the playoffs mm-hmm. last year, but just there's only his second year last year, which I feel like he isn't, he was an older rookie. So he's already 24, but basically doubled, basically doubled his points per game from his first season to last year, doubled his assists per game from last, from first year to second year, and then doubled his free throw attempts, which you mentioned, but that's, a, that's a huge thing for, for a guard like him, who's not super athletic, he's crafty, just, you know, another code word for white, but for him, <laughs> four free throws per game. And there were some games in the, uh, in the playoffs where he was at like eight, nine, 10 a game. So that's a huge, that's a huge skill to, for him to already show that he's developed that only two years into the league. I feel like just his, the like, where he's trending is already worth that, that contract and could be one of the best contracts in the league. If he keeps, keeps improving at that, you know, 14 million a year, like, Dylan Brooks is making 20 million a year. Uh, so there's that's one way to look at it. Like <laughs> I'd rather have Reeves than Brooks any day. I know Brooks is way better on defense, but that's that's about it. Um, and then even if you think about like Van Vliet is making what, like close to 40 a year, which yes. I would <laughs> yeah, right? Like something like that. So I would, you know, I would rather have Fred Van Vliet, but I also don't think it's like a huge, huge gap, uh, first of all. And then when the money is like triple, uh, you know. Reeves at this contract is way better. Same with like Jeremy Grant making over 30 a year. Like I, again, I would take Jeremy Grant over Reeves, but even that, I feel like you could, I don't know. You could even make an argument that Reeves has more potential and is already more of a, you know, more of a factor on, on offense at least. So yeah, no, I love that, that pickup for the Lakers. Uh, and then you mentioned like the staggering, the minutes, I feel like, uh, yeah, they have to figure out a way to maybe have Reeves like run the second unit you yeah. know, LeBron's off the court, something like that. And then obviously come playoff time, then figure out a more kind of balanced attack. Cause yeah, I mean, maybe LeBron didn't even fully trust Reeves in the playoffs last year, but that might've been a mistake on, on LeBron's end, to be honest. Um, okay. Then, you know, again, yeah. Uh, just to, you know, sum this up, like, you know, yeah, you're getting him back. Yeah. You signed Gabe Vincent, who for sure is going to have some ball handling duties. Um, you obviously bring back um, D'Lo, you know, but, you know, shooters on the way out. So, you know, kind of swap, you know, Vincent for, um, you know, shooter. And at the end of the day, I'd rather have the ball in, um, you know, um, Reeves hands than, you know, shooter or, you know, uh, Vincent, if I'm being honest with you, you know, I, I know you called him crafty earlier, but I'd also use the adjective shifty because at the end of the day, he can shift the defense and he's shown that, you know, very tight handles um, and can get to the basket easily. So, um, yeah, man, I, I think Reeves has a ton of potential. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually had to look up actually, cause for some reason I thought he was, he had been in the league longer than just two years, but that series against Denver, which, you know, the team that went on to win the championship, he averaged 21, yeah, 21 points and five assists per game in that series shot 55% from the floor, 56 from three, uh, and had, yeah, like four, basically four free throws games. So right on his average. So I think, you know, those numbers right there, like, yeah, he's gonna be huge. I I would rather have the ball in his hand than D'Lo. Like, I'd rather have the ball in in his hand than anyone on the Lakers, besides LeBron and AD. Obviously, when he's when he's actually locked in. But yeah, so I think mm-hmm. it, yeah, great pickup there. Um, and then the other one, not a a signing, but a sign and trade. So Grant Williams goes from the Celtics to uh, to Dallas, and his deal is pretty similar actually to Reeves. That like four year like mid fifties, I think maybe like 54 total, something like that. Um, and then the Spurs just great business, just what they do. They somehow in this trade, nice. they somehow end up with 
an uh, unprotected 2030 Dallas uh, pick swap, which like, you know, uh, you know, you see that like in the in the uh, kind of overview of the trade, you're like, all right, whatever, that's seven years from now. Who cares about that? Seven years from now, Dallas could be the worst team in the league. Like, would that would that surprise you at all if that pick turns out to be, you know, top four pick? That honestly is like one of the things that stands out the most to me in this trade because to your point, there's no way in hell Kyrie's going to be there in seven years. That dude's gone. And Luca, who's to say he's not fed up within the next three to five years? Like, I'm – I'm pretty confident that, you know, that, that day will come at the rate they're going. So yeah, to, to, to land that, if you're the Spurs, um, you know, fast forward seven years from now, Wimby's going to be like 25, 26, like, you know, not even in his prime yet. And who knows what, who else will have on their team at that point. But if that's a high draft pick, man, yeah, that's a great move. And you're getting Bullock who's solid, right? He's going to bring veteran leadership and, He's the kind of guy you just need on the floor with a player like Wimby. He'll hit open shots, play good defense. So, yeah, that was a, that was a huge win for them. Celtics, obviously, you know, get their second-round draft picks, um, which at the end of the day, like, again, I think it's this deal is indicative of something else that's happening for the Celtics because, you know, Grant Williams adds toughness. He adds a lot of value. He's one of the top three-point shooters in the league. You don't make it to the freaking finals without him because he had that huge game seven when he hit all those three-pointers um in the eastern conference finals so to give him up obviously a controversial dude you know he's said some dumb stuff as well over the years um but to you know give him up for you know essentially no return tells me that you needed more money to either do the super max with Jalen brown and you want to avoid the second apron and all the tax implications or you got an angle towards dame so at the end of the day like i feel like there's something going on in boston um, Grant Williams should fit in, you know, pretty nicely with the Mavs. You know, I know the Mavs probably aren't bringing back Christian Wood. I'm hearing that he's only getting minimum, you know, offers at this point, which is wild as well. So they're going to have a hole down low. So, you know, Grant Williams will definitely come in and fill that for them. Um, so that was a great pickup for them. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, so just starting with the, that pick swap. Yeah. So Luca will be 32 by then, which like you said, who knows, you know, who knows if he'll be, he could have traded you know change teams twice by that point um so that that could be a super high draft pick and you know yeah Wemby and the rest of the young guys that the Spurs have are all going to be entering like their their real like true prime at that point so I think that pick is huge for the Spurs not even to make the pick on their own but that could be the centerpiece of a trade for whatever superstar is unhappy in 2030 you know that could be a, a potential number one overall pick so they could add like another star to their to their roster at that point um yeah but so the other, we should talk about yeah grant williams fit with the mavericks i think it is you know pretty perfect player to add to that to that team barely takes any shots uh he he also has played in a ton of playoff games just being with the mm-hmm. celtics he's played in 61 playoff games total wow. in year. and he's only been in the league for maybe like four or five years um and this is the craziest number actually in those 61 playoff games overall he's at 43.3 percent from three so Perfect guy to add to Luca and Kyrie, and he can guard, you know, not one through five, but you could put him on any, you know. I feel like you're okay with him getting switched onto any any player in the league. He's at least gonna hold up and you know not just get blown by. Uh, but yeah, what do you think this means for the Celtics? So like, is it just them being cheap and not trying to pay more money in the tax, or like how how or if you think it does fit into like a a bigger trade? 
Man, it's uh, it's difficult to read right now. I mean, um, I think what we what we all know is that Brad Stevens and that front office is is always going to be aggressive. Um, you know, I, I've seen like different things, you know, saying like, you know, hey, does he have the green light and autonomy to, you know, to take that tax bill to another level and you know do what's necessary to to win a title? And I've I've heard he has that that green light. So a move like this would be you know surprising in in that regard, but. Yeah, I, I'm I, again, I'm surprised, you know, you bring Porzingis in, maybe, maybe you also feel like Porzingis has filled a lot of the, the, you know, gaps um, that, you know, Grant Williams will leave, you know, obviously can stretch and hit three pointers, um, you know, solid defender down low, but he's a completely different player. You can't even really compare the two at the same time. So um, at the end of the day, like he, he, he felt like he might've been the odd man out, like Missoula had also taken him out of the rotation at a certain point. So I do also want to, you know, mention that, you know, we're, we're, we're speculating, we're digging deep here, but there are some like key factors, right? Like he, he, he had a ton of DMPs, um, you know, throughout the playoffs. And I think he had a handful as well during uh, towards the end of the regular season. Um, but I know he and Missoula didn't always uh, work out on the same page. And obviously who knows how long Missoula is even going to be there. So I don't know if that was the right call based on that, but if you're not utilizing the guy, then it is best to move him. And he, kind of brought his value up a little bit in the playoffs, you know, having that big game seven. So um, at the end of the day, maybe what they saw was an opportunity to at least cash in on some value when they had no intention of keeping him on the team anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it must be, must be that, but it does like obviously adding Porzingis is a fun, like it's an interesting move for the Celtics. It could raise their ceiling, but now they lost their two toughest guys in Marcus mm-hmm. Smart and, Grant Williams, like two of the only guys who aren't scared in in big moments, and I don't know if I don't know if Porzingis has been in Washington the past few years. Like, I didn't watch many Wizards games. So I don't know about you. Like, that's the huge question mark if he'll be ready, you know, ready to step up in the playoffs. So it's weird. Yeah, if I was a Celtics fan, I'd be like excited about this upcoming year, but also kind of uh, like cautious, like guarded about it too, because this could go poorly i feel like if you know porzingis is still an, an injury concern too and then you could be missing you know the defense of of smart and williams and just kind of that leadership uh so we'll see but i think that was an interesting an interesting trade for sure it's kind of like under the radar too it wasn't a huge deal but that of course the spurs just end up with i think what could be the best asset in that trade somehow yeah and you know at the end of the day like i'm just looking at this celtics team and you brought up the point that Grant Williams has played so many playoff games. It's because the Celtics have been, you know, they've been in contention the past what, four or five years at this point now, dating back to when they had IT and they had Kyrie, when you had young Tatum and young Brown coming in, you had Terry Rozier at that time. You had that team that went very far, um, you know, even before Kyrie, bring him in, you had Kimba, all these like, they've had so many deals. It just feels like they've been like cycling through so many draft picks, so many trades, so many stars, Gordon Hayward, I almost forgot about him. So many guys, and obviously that was a special, you know, situation or case there, but with the injury. But yeah, there's so many opportunities for them to compete for a championship. And at the end of the day, man, if they somehow don't win a ring with this core of Tatum and Brown and what they have here, dog, this is gonna be one of those cases you look back on, like, yo, they had like a 10-year window to make it happen and they just didn't close the deal. So um, yeah, I do fear that for them, man, but Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens, like these dudes have made killer moves, got all these picks, 
but man, at some point you got to turn it into something. So I, I, I share those same, you know, concerns. And that's why I'm again saying, if you're them and you've done all these moves and you've taken this risk, it feels like, why not just, you know, push some more chips in and get Dame, like just do it, you know? Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see, man. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, might, might as well. Uh, yeah. They could be like the, like the new version of the, the Thunder teams with, with KD, Russ and Harden, where, you know, they were awesome for a while and they were always like that team with potential, you know, they had like these young superstars made the finals once and they're in loss and everyone's like, Oh, they'll be back. Like, you know, every year from now on, basically like they might not win it every year, but they'll get to the finals multiple more times. Next thing you know, you know, Katie's in golden state and that team's just completely broken up. Now, obviously they're starting to that rebuild is like finally coming back around where the thunder look like an, an awesome young team. But just think about how, if you're a thunder fan back in like the, you know, 2010 range, you're like, Oh, my basketball life is going to be awesome. Like we're going to be deep in the playoffs every year. Probably going to get a few rings at least maybe like two to three, maybe more, who knows. And then that window just slams shut. Like, I feel like it, it, it does take a toll on these players where every year, like, you know, you have a deep playoff run, it ends in disappointment and you have to go into the next year, like with all the same questions, like, Oh, are they going to break up Tatum and Brown? Oh, what about this guy? And now this year there actually are those, those changes. So I wonder, it'll be interesting to see how the Celtics players respond to this. Cause this might be kind of the, the writing on the wall too. It's like, all right, you guys need to start, you know, let's actually, let's get a ring here. Like let's, let's not go down three Oh to the eight seed in the conference finals, like all this, all this stuff. It's time to actually get that ring. And then, you know, if they do get the ring, it'll mean that much more because they had to go through all this adversity, but it's hard to win, to win a championship, which obviously they're, they're finding out the hard way. Yeah, no, it's uh yeah, it's a great point. I mean, that's a great parallel too. I never even, you know, thought to compare them to, you know, the, the, the thunder, that's a great par- uh, parallel, you know, young team that, punching way above their weight class just off of, you know, raw talent alone. Um, you know, they just can't close the deal. So at the end of the day, I guess it's all going to come down to, you know, who, who ends up being who, you know, is Jalen Brown going to be in the Harden in this situation or the Westbrook? And I'm assuming, you know, JT is going to be KD. So, you know, maybe he'll be joining another super team in a few years to go ring chase. <laughs> that would be kind of funny, actually. What if seven years from now he's still on, He's still on the Celtics or he's on a different team and he's unhappy. And that's who the Spurs trade that that unprotected uh, Mavericks pick for. They get Tatum out of this. Oh, man. Tatum and Wimby. (laughs) That would be fun. Uh, Okay, I think then do you want to just do a couple minutes? We can end it with. So Summer League is going on. The the main Summer League, the Vegas one just started tonight, but or at least I don't know if it actually just started tonight or if I'm just thinking that because Wimby is playing his first game tonight. So that's kind of when summer league unofficially starts. But I think we should talk about Chet Holmgren really quick, just because he's, you know, obviously missed all of last year. I don't think he didn't even play in summer league last year, right? He got hurt before that. No, he did. He did. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. But so we didn't get to see him in any real regular season games last year. Um, but so now he's in, he's thrown into that rookie of the year race this year, which is already super interesting between uh, Wemby and Scoot Henderson. And even, you know, like the Thompson twins, like there's other guys that who knows. Um, and now Chet is in there as well. And we've seen like Blake Griffin, Ben Simmons, these guys who miss their entire what would be their rookie year. And that next year they come back and they're like kind of dominant right from the beginning because they had that full year to practice against NBA players and, you know, get on like the NBA 
weight regiment, weight room regiment, all of that stuff. Um, but so what have you, you had a chance to see some of Chet's uh, summer league games so far this year? Yeah, you know, I had a chance to, to tune into a couple of them. Um, you know, obviously uh, a lot of positives to take away from uh, from those games. Last year, he had a strong showing as well, too. So, um, you know, I kind of expected that same thing going in this year. But, yeah, it's crazy how quickly I feel like so many people forgot about Chet and, you know, how unique of a talent he is in his own right. Like, you know, obviously not comparing him to Wimby because Wimby is, is clearly showing he's his own beast in a short amount of time here. Um, but, you know, Chet, I think, flashes so much versatility and defensive potential as well to potentially just revolutionize, you know, what your your team's defensive scheme is, right? And he's so versatile on offense as well like he just had like a handful of blocks where he just came from the weak side you need to see his like his instincts are already there um so for me like seeing him flash those signs already tells me he's going to be more than okay in the league like you look at who's going to be playing alongside him you got sga on that team j-dub you know they will you got freaking uh dort you got giddy there's so many guys on that team they're just so talented and he is that missing piece at center so um, he's going to have a lot of playmakers, guys that can, you know, score and shoot around him. So for me, it just feels like the sky is the limit for for this team, you know, because they're so young. It might take them a few years to get it together to the point where they can compete. But who knows? Like maybe you bring in a vet piece that, you know, fast tracks that. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I've loved to I've loved what I've seen from chat so far. I feel like they've been a little uh, conservative with him, too. And he also hasn't been forcing it. You can tell that like he could be more aggressive. But I think it's good that he hasn't, um, you know, been forcing it on this end. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see, you know, more of him over the summer. Looks like he put on a few pounds too, which is good for him. Um, but yeah, man, they got a bright future over there in OKC. Yeah, for sure. And so he's only played, he only played in two of their games, but yeah, I think that's a good sign. I think they saw enough. And it, it is like, you know, it's not like what we saw in summer league from him. It's like, okay, he's going to be an all, you know, uh, uh, MVP candidate like this, that, and the other. But at least he. He looks comfortable and like you said, like the the skills that we expect to translate are translating right away. Like that help side defense. Some of the blocks he had were just insane. Like two-handed, like where he just erased the shot. Like it wasn't even like the guy almost dunked on him. It was just, all right, that's gone. Like let's get that out of here. Um and then yeah, the offense. I think, you know, everyone expected it to be a little rusty, a little shaky at first. But like you mentioned, all the guys the Thunder have, he might be if their starting lineup is Shea, Dort, Giddy, Jalen Williams, and Chet. He's the fifth option on offense there. You know, he's just kind of the release valve, like off pick and rolls, or if if someone gets double teamed or you know, if someone gets into the paint, he can hit open threes. Like he he'll probably average, I would say I would expect him to average like eight to ten points a game this year just because he's gonna get easy layups, dunks, and open shots. And you know, anything else he flashes is just icing on the cake. I think he is a solid playmaker as well. So I think people will be surprised to see that. Um, that Thunder team is just going to be fun. Like you mentioned their timeline. Like, I don't know how, how long it'll take to their like fully contenders, but I think this year I could, I mean, I would not be surprised if they were in the hunt for like a top six seed in the West. Like if they were the, the six seed this year, I mean, I don't know if that would be that surprising. Yeah, dude, my, my hot take for that team is, um, I, I personally think that Jalen Williams could be the best player on that team. Like Jada, he could be the best. He's so freaking good, man. He's so young. Like he has all the defensive, you know, tools as well. He's like the prototypical build for a wing, super long, athletic, can shoot, can handle, makes good decisions. 
and he doesn't feel like you need to run that much offense for him. So I, at the end of the day, like you, when you have a, a high usage guy like SGA, it's going to be hard for, you know, you to become that superstar. But I feel like he could be the best player on that team. Yeah, I would expect him to take a, a big leap last year or this upcoming year, too, because last year he kind of came out of nowhere. I feel like, you know, went to Santa Clara, like wasn't he was the 12th pick. It's kind of that that's kind of that range where it's like kind of forget about those guys. And then, oh, they happen to be really good, like a. I feel like Donovan Mitchell, Hero, Giannis, Kawhi, all those guys kind of got drafted in that in that range. Um, but yeah, and I think Shea is one of those superstars where he's not going to care if he you know takes a few a few fewer shots per game. Um, he doesn't seem like someone that's like really worried too much about his like he wants it to be his team and he has to shoot the most and this and that. Um, and I think just that team just is full of fun guys who play the right way, can all do a little bit of everything, and just some of the passing on that, that team is going to be, they're going to be like the most fun uh, league pass team to watch next year. And hopefully because Chet is back and because Shea made, I think he made third team all NBA last year. Hopefully they're on uh, national TV some more. Cause I don't even know if they had any games on, on like TNT or ESPN last year. Yeah. I, I have to go to league pass to, to fish, to watch them most of the time, but they'll definitely get some more, you know, looks and, yeah, man, I'm really excited to to see what they do. Um, yeah, if I I'm not gonna lie, dude, if I could trade for for J Dub, like that would be like that's one of the number he'd be like top three like wish list if I could, you know, put my GM hat on for the Bulls, I'd go after him so quick. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean he's what he's what you guys hope Patrick Williams turns into basically. <laughs> Don't get me started, man. <laughs> yeah, but no, the Thunder have their. Oh, we also, I feel like we're going to kind of be, the Thunder are going to be like our, our like side team this year. Cause they also got uh, the Latvian laser. who was like one of our first random guys that we were super into on this podcast. Uh, Davis Bertans, who was not great on, on the Mavericks, but he can all, you know, he can just still knock down threes at a super high level. So I wonder if, you know, playing with all these playmakers on the, on the Thunder, all they need is like 10, 15 minutes from him. Just hit a couple threes. Just don't get completely cooked on defense. And I wouldn't even be surprised if he has kind of a little bit of a, a resurgence this year. Yeah, man. I mean, it's crazy. He's still eating off that same contract. So if he wants to, wants another one, this is the year. I think they have like a, a an early uh, termination, termination option for the next year. So he's set to make $17 million this year, which is crazy. But because um, you remember he signed that what, five-year, like $80 million deal after he hit a few three-pointers with the, with the Wizards. That's typical Wizards uh, math. But uh, anyway, yeah, this is kind of his season to prove it. Um, if he hits the court, like he's got to be ready. Otherwise, he's going to be a minimum guy or out of the league. So hopefully, Latvian and Laser gets it together, man. You know, he showed us a lot. He's been he's been pretty uh pretty bad <laughs> last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. No, I wonder if and so so after this year, he becomes a an expiring contract. So that's valuable, even if he doesn't have a great year. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like that that uh, Dallas situation is just tough too if you're a shooter because that's like. All you do is just stand there and just wait. And if Luca passes it to you, you better make it because otherwise you're doing nothing else out there. This Thunder team might be a better fit where it's just more like, you know, ball movement, team basketball, where he can actually I feel like he was one of those guys that could randomly just hit these crazy threes like off of screens and like off the, you know, like sprinting 
into a catch and just hit some crazy three because he is like six nine, six ten. Um, so yeah, I hope he. I think he'll have fun this year at the very least, and hopefully, love to see him get another contract. That is maybe not eighty million for him, but yeah, <laughs> we're all pulling <laughs> for him. He's only thirty years old too, so yeah. I mean, if he wants that one more, just one more contract before he retires, and he should play in. If there's a league in Latvia, he should just play in that until he's like fifty. Just be a, a legend, set the all-time record for threes in that league and everything. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the Thunder make some other moves too, maybe. Uh, because they, I think they know that they have a legit young core now. So like they don't need to keep um, stacking up draft picks. So I wouldn't be surprised if they try and you know add a couple veteran guys who can help them like you know raise their ceiling right away. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy when you look at how many draft picks they have still in these coming years. They got it feels like they got to consolidate at some point, right? Um, I mean I'm I don't even I almost want to say this isn't real, but I'm looking. It looks like they have what like four draft picks in 2024, um, first rounders, 2025. What is this? One, two, three, four, plus three second rounders, 2026. One, two, three, plus two second rounders. So basically the next, you know, three or so years, you have multiple first round picks, including your own, plus multiple second round picks. So you don't have enough money to go around and enough roster spaces to get all these guys on your team. So you've got to consolidate. I don't know if you package them up and trade up. If you have a young guy in the league, you know, that you, you want to go after, um, maybe you want Bronny, you just go for number one, you know, pick just to lock that in so you can get LeBron. But uh, but anyway, yeah, they have so much, you know, capital. It feels like they got to make a trade at some point for that, you know, big, big time star. But, you know, who would fit in with them? It's a question you got to ask. Yeah, that's the thing is because it's OKC, it's not it's not going to be you know like Miami or L.A. or New York where we're unhappy superstars request you know, and say like the Dane thing, like I'm only going to to these major cities. But I'm even thinking like if it is a few years down the road, like what if, you know, what if the Bucks kind of flame out again? Like they're getting older. Uh, you know, what if what if Giannis is like? Because you mentioned the Thunder don't have like they have too many too many picks and too many young guys who already look like you know they've shown a lot of promise. So maybe you package. What if it was like Josh Giddy and X amount of first round picks for Giannis? You know, like if if he tells the Bucks that he's leaving, in you know maybe two three years, whenever that is. I mean, that's not a bad. A bad return, maybe like a Tatum. If the Celtics keep kind of flaming out before, before the finals, like I think, yeah, if you're the Thunder, you just kind of play that waiting game with the picks, and then in the meantime, it's you're all just, it's house money. Like if they make the playoffs next year, that's awesome. Those guys get great experience, and you can kind of showcase those players to the rest of the league as well. Because maybe, maybe Tatum's like, oh, why would I? Why do I want to go to OKC? I've just been in in Boston for my whole career, and then he's watching the playoffs, and it's like, oh. Okay, the Shea guy is like legit, legit. Oh, Chet is, or yeah, you know, all these guys are actually this good. Like maybe, maybe I wouldn't mind being being there for a bit. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's gonna be interesting, man. I mean, I think with their core, they're gonna have to figure out. Uh, to your point, is it gonna be Giddy that's gonna be you know gone one day? Is it gonna be you know J Dub that's gonna be gone one day? Is it gonna be SGA? Is it gonna be Chet? But you can't keep all four of those guys, plus who you know the other guys you're you're still bringing in. So they just brought in the point guard from Kentucky in the draft, you know, Kaysen, you know, Wallace. So that's another guard you have there now. Um, think that they also drafted, you know, someone else in the second round potentially that was decent. 
Um, but yeah, man, they 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 have a, a log jam of talent. Great situation to be in, though. Um, but you don't want to end up doing what the Celtics did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know that's why it's it must be tough too if you're running running the Thunder. Like obviously it's a great situation to be in, but it is hard because like you don't want to. You have to like be patient, which is hard because you are you already have all this talent and all these picks that are like so promising. But you do have to just kind of take it easy, like wait for the for the right opportunity. Um, yeah, just wait for that next star player to get frustrated and request a trade. And uh, it does feel like Giddy would be the odd man out. Uh, I don't know why I get that feeling. Just I don't know. He's just so inconsistent as a shooter, but everything else he does insanely well he just he fills up the box score he just might be just timing wise like Shea is obviously the number one guy and I feel like Jalen Williams and Chet are still so young that they're untouchable too because they're still just younger even though Giddy's not even 21 yet but for whatever reason he just kind of feels like the odd man out to me no that's it's a good point you bring up and it's because like he needs the ball in his hand he needs the ball in his hands. Like he's a point forward, you know, basically he's like a six, eight, six, nine, like point forward slash guard um, who needs to work on his jumper. And he feels like the kind of guy that almost needs to be on his own team and like run the show. That's what, that's what I'm getting. That's the vibes I'm getting. You know, it feels like he's not going to fully develop behind SGA because SGA needs the ball in his hands. So um, yeah, there's only one rock, man. Um, and yeah, at the end of the day, he might be OKC recently setting all over again what they did in the past if they don't figure it out again right this time so you know they had the big three plus Ibaka so you know I don't know who Ibaka is in this situation but you know this might be be, you know same situation like like Chet in this situation like the paint protector who can also step out and hit hit jumpers as well Uh, yeah damn that really is that sucks too like for for the Thunder to have to be thinking about this already like who who is the guy that we might have to give up on because Giddy only he just finished his second year, so it's too early for any of these guys. But I wonder. So what is that? Those contracts are like till twenty twenty five is probably when they actually have to start thinking about you know who they're going to move on from. And by by twenty twenty five, they could have two other young guys who are like super awesome at that point. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I honestly just pulled up their roster just to like look at it, and it's crazy how young they are, man. It's like mind blowing almost. You know, you just look at the roster. I, there are a few guys on I me mean, I forgot they even have like Usman Jang. You know, the guy they drafted last year, like top ten pick. He's only twenty. You know, just hiding on that roster. You know, Giddy, like you said, still twenty. Chet, twenty one. They got Poku. Forgot about Poku, straight project player. Obviously, he's only twenty one though. You know, J-Dub, 21, Jarrett Butler, Trey Mann. There's so many guys on this team that are, you know, solid, just, you know, young, you know, prospects. Um, Dort's only 24. Um, yeah, there's so many, you know, Isaiah Joe is a sniper. They have a lot of good players. Aaron Wiggins, man, like, they, <laughs> I could go on for a while here. They're, they're stacked. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they're – Sam Presti can just have fun with the trade machine, basically just all these different packages they can offer and – yeah, just waiting for it, it's unfortunate. I'm, you know, Shea is awesome. Uh, if they if their best player wasn't a point guard, they would be the perfect game team. You know, if if Shea was like a six five shooting guard or or small forward, they'd be the perfect game team. Uh, but yeah, now they're I think out of all, there's a lot of teams that have been you know picking in the lottery for a few years in a row now that have a ton of young talent, but I think the the Thunder have 
the best mix of young guys like he just rattled off who like still have potential but then also you know not finished products but just already established guys like yeah Shea did make all nba this year like they have their main guy to build around he's not like a he doesn't have the same issues that you have when you're building around like a trey young or or even a damian lillard or a, a james harden where they're a zero on on one side of the court like Shea is i feel like he's he's not like an elite defensive player but he's definitely not just an easy matchup so yeah they have this would be an interesting year to see how they how they finish where would you if you had to predict what the thunder would finish at this year what do you what do you think Ooh, that's a great question uh man uh i like what you said i mean the the sixth seed feels like it's within reach but there have been so many moves in the west conference that it's hard to just look at what the thunder did and say that you know it's going to you know lead to xyz result because you know when you look at the the west you know i was looking at the standings here you know thunder were 10th last year you know, again, you're just looking at a game behind, you know, being the AC potentially. But, you know, you look at this, this, you know, top 10 here, um, you know, Pelicans, you know, do they, do they get better or worse? If Zion's playing, they're automatically better. Um, T-Wolves, you know, who knows? They're kind of a question mark in my mind, but you got to assume that Anthony Edwards improves, right? That team potentially gets marginally better. Um, the Lakers obviously improved. The Dubs added Chris Paul, you know, what does that translate to? The Clippers pick up freaking James Harden. They were fifth seed, fourth seed. You just picked up Beal and you filled out your entire bench with depth, solid depth. You know, Kings just, you know, extended Sabonis. Keegan Murray looks like he's improved. Plus all their guys are still, you know, fairly young. Like Fox can still improve. They just extended Harrison Barnes. I think they got like a few other fringe signings that are solid. Grizzlies, that's one that's going to fall. You know, looking at them, obviously, with the everything that's going on there. You know, Marcus Smart is an interesting pickup, but you lose Tyus Jones, who is really big for them. I don't know how that, you know, nets out, but, you know, not having Jaw is going to put a big cloud over that franchise, obviously, going into the season. And then, yeah, Nuggets, Nuggets are going to be the Nuggets. You know, you got to think they're a top three seed. So I, I just went through every team here, man. You can make a case that all of the teams ahead of the Thunder also are going to improve, right? Except for maybe the Grizzlies. Um, so the question is, did the Thunder get that much better where they out-improve these other teams? It's hard to say, man. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Even saying the sixth seed isn't a guarantee. Um, but uh, my prediction is that they, they won't be the ninth or the tenth seed. They're going to be top eight. Top eight. That's the best I'll give them, though. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Yeah, the West is so, so stacked. Like, And all those teams are so bunched up, too. Like, there's just so much – so much like a range of uh, outcomes for all those teams. Like could the thunder in the best case scenario be like the Kings from this past year? Maybe. I mean, I guess it's, it's possible. No, it is. It is. You can't rule it out. And then the Mavs, like I didn't even mention them. Yeah. Luca and Kyrie over there, you know, and Grant Williams now, and they're picking up other, you know, solid pieces. So you can't rule them out either, you know, and who knows what happens with Dame. Dame is sitting on the 13th seeded team right now. He's going to go somewhere. Who knows where, you know, he could be Eastern Conference or, you know, Western Conference for that matter. So, yeah, this uh, this is crazy. I think a lot of it's going to come down to injuries, you know, for this, this for the seeding, at least for the regular season. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's that's true. And it's an unfortunate truth. But, yeah, all these teams like, yeah, Phoenix obviously has more talent than the Thunder. But we went over it last week. Like those guys haven't been super healthy recently. Uh, 
Clippers obviously have been whatever the opposite of healthy is. Golden State obviously showed last year they're older. Uh, and with Chris Paul, that doesn't help their, their durability <laughs> concerns at all. Lakers, again, anytime you have, you know, LeBron's about to be 39 and Anthony Davis is still made out of glass, it seems like. Uh, so, yeah, all these teams ahead of them have question marks. And so, you know, so do the Thunder. But I think just them being young also helps them too in the regular season because they're not going to need to, uh, you know, rest back to backs or anything like that. They're going to be, they're going to be hungry. Uh, you know, they have a lot to prove. But also on the flip side of that is I don't think they're going to surprise teams like they did last year. Like now when the Thunder are coming to town, it's like, oh, we have to game plan for a, uh, an all NBA player. And Jalen Williams was second in uh, rookie of the year voting last year. So he's not an, an unknown anymore. Obviously, Everyone's going to try and go at, at Chet just because he's like an awkward, you know, super tall, lanky, awkward looking dude. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I can see I can see them finishing like as high as the maybe the four seed as the ceiling. Um, but then also, like if they didn't make the playoffs again next year, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be a huge surprise either. Yeah. And again, just to even, you know, take it one step further, you look at this, uh, the bottom of the West, the Rockets, you know they seemingly have improved significantly, right? And, you know, looking at these two bottom teams in the Western Conference, you can make the argument that they had, you know, some of the best off-seasons, right? You you could look at the money, sure, that the Rockets gave out. It's ludicrous. I get it. But at the end of the day, they had to spend that cap money. It had to go somewhere. So, um, yeah, you can make the argument that those deal links were a bit, you know, long, but you've materially improved your team by adding two veterans, you know, one that is former All-Star, another one that, you know, just brings tenacity, you know, and Dylan Brooks and, you know, character to your team. And then your guys are obviously getting better because, you know, they're all super young. And then you added, you know, one of the Thompson twins who's supposed to be a freak of nature on the court. And you had a Cam Whitmore who slid tremendously in the draft, like has all the physical tools to be great. You know, all this, all this talent can come together. I don't know what it could look like, but, you know, is this the perfect veteran slash, you know, young talent mix? to make this team interesting, like who's to say they aren't trying to fight for, you know, playing spot. They got Udoka now, like, man, you can make a, you can make a case for them. You know, I don't know what they're going to look like, but Jabari Smith just hit a freaking game winning three in the summer league, you know, but I won't get too excited because Denzel Valentine did that too. Um, <laughs> and I was still in the summer league championship. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll caveat that, but, and then obviously the Spurs, like they added a freaking all-star. You may as well just say they signed an all-star free agent this this offseason with Wimby and they, you know, pick up uh, Bullock. And again, they have a lot of young talent too. So who's to say they don't jump in the standings as well. So the West, I don't know, man, it just feels like there's almost too much talent in the NBA right now, um, you know, to go around. Like, I don't know how this, this seating will reconcile, but it feels like more teams need to be able to make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. I, I mean, in, in just the West, just looking at the West, who are going to be the, the quote unquote tanking teams? I mean, there's really going to be no tanking teams, but who are going to be the, you know, the bad teams. I'm sure it'll still be those, you know, Rockets and Spurs, but again, they're not going to be just walk over wins anymore. The Trailblazers, even if, if they do trade Dame, they'll probably be the worst team in the West, but they still again have like Jeremy Grant is still a 20, like he's averaged 20 points a game in the NBA. Uh, same with Simons has done that. Scoot honestly probably will do that from year one. And uh, Sharp has the, potential to do that as well so they're again they're a team that they'll be able to just drop like 140 on a random night uh they'll probably give up you know 140 plus also but again that's a team that's not going to be an easy (laughs) 
matchup. And then the Jazz, the Jazz were like the surprise of the of the year last year until they finally started to tank. But you know, they're again a lot of young players, great coach, clearly. And yeah, maybe maybe they can't start off the season tanking after after how good they looked at the beginning of last year, at least. Uh and all the other teams that made the playoffs, none of them have any reason to tank unless like the only thing that I could see leading to a an actual like full on tanking season by any of these teams would be a big injury. So like, you know, if if Steph gets hurt again, like we saw a couple years ago when they got the Wiseman pick, you know, if he gets hurt, they're just like, all right, this is this is a wash. This is not even a point to try. So let's just go in the tank. Maybe the I mean the Clippers have too much talent that even if if Kawhi and Paul George both got hurt, they're not gonna be a the bottom of the conference team. Like yeah, it's gonna be that, that really is going to mess with the standings because everyone's going to be so close in, you know, the the win column. So, like the it'll be like those a, a few years back when the West was, you know, it was like all teams that won like forty five games plus. Like your first round matchup was like you're playing a team that won forty eight games or something. Like, yeah, and then, you know, back then it was like at least it felt like the Eastern Conference was weaker. It was like okay, you know. There's just a clear, clearly like more talented conference, you know, one or the other, except, you know, LeBron just so happens to still be dominating, you know, over here and then still winning the championship. But, um, you know, for once it does feel like, oh, crap, like, man, there's just so much talent and parity to go around across the league because, yeah, we could we could do the same thing, you know, maybe to a bit of a lesser extent with the Eastern Conference because, you know, there has been a bit of shift of talent, you know, it feels like from East to West um, again. But again, looking at this, Eastern Conference here. What's interesting with the Eastern Conference is they're very top heavy in that their top teams in the Eastern Conference are title contenders. Um, right. Like you could say in the Eastern Conference like this past season, uh, before KD got traded, especially, um, that the Nets were a contender. You could say the Bucks, the Celtics, and even potentially the Sixers, right? Because they had the big three and a lot going for them, right? When you look at the Western Conference, you know, I feel like there were fewer like clear title contenders over there. It was all like Oh, just let them get healthy and have a puncher's chance. And then, you know, LeBron, Steph, they're just going to do what they do. Or, you know, Nuggets, like they're not going to get over the hump, right? Like, I feel like there's so many narratives in the Western Conference or, you know, sweet stories, sweetheart stories for these, you know, title contending teams that we love. Um, but it felt like the East this past year had the more clear cut, you know, like favorites to win it all. So that's interesting that you see like, you know, top heavy Eastern Conference, but still, like, you know, t- talented middle of the pack. Whereas in the West, again, you do see a lot of talented teams, but it's just like very like smushed together and, and stacked together. So, yeah, this is a good time for the league, man. And it's never felt like we need uh, an expansion team more than now. Yeah, no, that's so true. We need uh, Vegas and Seattle or I, I forget where the other you know possible options are. But, yeah, no, it's so true. This is like the deepest that I feel like the deepest the league's ever been since we've been alive, at least like even if you just go look at like the worst teams, like, so you already went through the the bad teams in the West, but even like the Pistons still have Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivy, uh, the Thompson twin that they just drafted. They have James Wiseman somehow too. Now, like still a lot of promise, a lot of talent, the Hornets, the Hornets are, I mean, those two teams like Pistons, Hornets, Wizards would be my guess to be the worst three teams in the, in the East. But again, like the Hornets still have LaMelo ball. They still have, PJ Washington, they they add Brandon Miller, they get uh Miles Bridges back. Um so like that's right. way too talent to be a you know a team that finished second to last in the conference. The magic might be like the Wizards are they're gonna be bad. We know that, you know, they might have some fun games just because 
Jordan Poole is going to put up like 60 shots per game. So he might have a couple super high scoring games, but the magic might be like the thunder of the, of the East, maybe not quite on the same level, but kind of a similar position. Yeah. I like that. I mean, that's a great comparison as far as just having like a farm for, you know, young talent, essentially. I feel like the magic just need to like figure out, you know, which pieces are our core pieces. And I think they're starting to, you know, narrow that down. Like I was talking to, um, you know, some friends the other day and we were talking about, um, you know, Bobo, you know, you release Bobo. He's like a, you know, guy with potential. Why do you just let him go? And then the day, like, I think he's just a distraction for the team. It's like, you know, they clearly aren't going to invest in, you know, building around this guy. So, you know, why not give more time and opportunity to some of our other guys? Like when, you know, Wendell Carter Jr., you know, Apollo is obviously, you know, Ford, um, Wagner. Um, yeah, so it just for me, it's like, you know, who are you going to be your your tent pole guys, you know, moving forward? Um, who's going to make that cut for you? Because obviously they've had, you know, some guys like Jonathan Isaac that haven't worked out. Suggs feels like somebody who's just going to flame out. And I thought he was going to be really good in the league, but maybe he just needs to change the scenery. So, yeah, it's just one of those things where they got to start to consolidate and figure out who their their main guys are. But um, I like them a lot as far as the talent they have on their team. Yeah, for sure. They're going to be another team that's just fun to watch. Like they have, you know, they're, they're another team that I can see jumping up and making making the playoffs next year. Uh, you know, last year they already, they won 34 games. So not... It's not solid. terrible at all. Yeah. You know, seven games back from or six games back from you guys, uh, the the 10 seed. But again, like, you know, Bulls might be a little worse. The Raptors might be a lot worse, depending on what they do. The Hawks, who knows? The Nets, you know, the Nets weren't like they were a good story after the KD trade and they still finished with a good record. But that was because of the record that they had before they traded everybody. Um, but they're not like, you know, a lock to be a playoff team next year. The Knicks, any team with Tibbs as the coach, especially coming off a really good year, like that could go terribly wrong. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, the Magic and the Thunder are our, those are our two league pass teams to watch for next season. It sounds like. Yeah, man, I, I agree with things that you know, Bulls, man, we're we're trending upwards, man. <laughs> you guys haven't signed your first round pick or your draft pick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on, Bulls fans, but uh, something something fishy's up. Um, yeah, we'll see though. We'll see. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think yeah, this next season is going to be interesting. Like, there's going to be a lot of like storylines to come out, and we're obviously still early in free agency. There's, I'm not going to be surprised if there's some other unexpected news that even hits us. Um, you know, it could be as soon as tomorrow <laughs> the way this free agency has been going. So, yeah, no, probably be like like last week. As soon as we finished recording, Dame requests a trade. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, if this week it's either him or Harden actually get traded or someone else requests a trade who knows cat requests a trade something like that uh Kyrie might retire tonight no, I was to say. <laughs> who knows who knows um okay I think oh also there is um what's called the FIBA uh basketball world cup is this summer too mm. so that'll be what fun. do you think of that roster yeah I just I just saw it today actually uh let me see it's I mean the Villanova I, boys on that team who is the Villanova boys. Oh yeah, they got Macau Bridges, Brunson, Hart. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then Reeves is on there, That's which wild. is awesome. He Did signed you see that. the tweet um that Bridges sent out? Uh uh-uh. it wasn't uh it was Josh Hart. It was Josh Hart. Um it was uh it was something saying like, 
you know, great to have the Villanova boys back together. Hashtag just the beginning. Oh, because they got, uh, was he talking about this World Cup team or was he talking about DiVincenzo signing with the Knicks? He's talking about the World Cup team as in like great to be playing with the guys again. But then the hashtag, you know, basically what's to come. You know, he's right across the way. You got to you got to figure some somehow, some way, eventually these teams consolidate or, you know, as Bridges is either going to the Knicks or vice versa. The rest of the boys are coming to Brooklyn. But, um, yeah, that's one guy just on a side note, Bridges. I'm really excited to see him next year. You know, obviously candidate for most improved. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what he does in the World Cup. Like he kind of feels like um, he kind of feels like he should be our our go to guy on this team. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I mean, the like the big three we have as far as uh, we have so much. I mean, there's a ton of scorers on here actually, but Bi, Brandon Ingram, Anthony Edwards, and Brunson are probably going to be. I would imagine those guys take the most shots, but yeah, Bridges is right there. He's going to be. This would be the perfect role for him too, though, because he really doesn't have to shoot, and he's always going to have you know mm-hmm. like one of the worst defenders on the other team guarding him. You just play defense. It's kind of going to be like when he was on uh, on Phoenix with when Chris Paul was still young enough before, you know, when they made the finals with those teams. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be – we have a crazy team, and we still have, like, it's not all offense. We still have Walker Kessler and Jaron Jackson as our bigs. I wonder – we should play them together just for a few minutes just to see how – that's going to be so <laughs> annoying for other teams trying to – just don't even try and drive. There's There's no point. Yeah, and what's interesting is, man, this the game is obviously getting so global. Like some of these other teams, I don't know if you checked out any other rosters, are like actually like solid, dude. Like you know, looking at Australia's team, like you got Dyson Daniels, young dude, Della Vadova, Dante Exum, Giddy, Josh Green, Joe Ingles, Don Maker, Patty Mills, Matisse Thibault, and Ben Simmons even playing for them, right? Um, but that's a decent team. You know, Germany has a decent team with the Wagner brothers. Like maybe in the future, they're like the Gasol brothers, you know, of uh, international basketball. So it's just exciting to see, you know, so many other countries be solid. Like I want this team to get tested because, you know, hopefully that'll incentivize, you know, our top players to always want to play in these um, events as well. Because, yeah, you're starting to see other countries have half their roster be NBA players. So, you can't just push them over and they know how to play together. That's the biggest thing, you know, and all it's going to take is for Wimby to suit up for uh, France one of these years, man, and put him together with Batum, you know, Fournier, Gobert, and, you know, Neil Aquina, maybe another few guys come in from France. You got a squad. <laughs> yeah. No, we definitely have like, you know, our roster, if you went through all the other teams rosters, we'd have the most just talent if it was like by what these guys have done in the NBA. But that chemistry that you brought up, that's that's the biggest thing. Like, you know, a couple of these guys are on the same, like, you know, there's Cam Johnson and Bridges played together, Hart and Brunson played together. But like these other countries have been playing together since they were, you know, like 12 years old. They play mm-hmm. the same style and like all the different levels of basketball. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't know if there's even gambling odds out for the World Cup, but I wouldn't, I don't think that we'd even be the favorite at this point. Like these guys, we do have a ton of talent ton of young guys, lots just versatility, but that chemistry that the other teams have combined with the actual talent that they have from the NBA is like, it's scary. I mean, even just New Zealand uh, or Australia, like you said, that team is always so tough and they have a good mix of young guys, 
plus all those veterans who just have been playing international basketball for like longer than we've been alive even. Yeah. So yeah, I, I hope we get tested, man. It should be a, a enter, entertaining, uh, you know, year to watch this, to be honest with you. Um, it's always fun to see like who makes these teams and it's always a big confidence boost for them going into the next season. So to even to your point, like, you know, Reeves having this kind of experience under his belt is going to be great, you know, for his confidence going into the next season. So that's awesome. Yeah. That was going to be fun to watch the timing obviously isn't great because it's, I think yeah. the games are in the Philippines. Uh, mm -hmm. Indonesia, Japan, and the Philippines. So I think they put, they tried to do their best to put the U.S. games at at least a somewhat manageable time. But I think for you in California, I think it's going to be like 5 a.m. tip offs for the most part. Still got to watch it though. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to. Uh, okay. We can wrap it up there. All right, man. All right. Have a good weekend, dude. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ball Till You Fall podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, please like, rate, subscribe, follow, download, all the above. Uh, we're Honestly, we're going to keep releasing episodes even if you guys don't do any of the above, but it'll just make us feel better about ourselves if we see that people are listening and you know downloading and basically just enjoying the episodes. So be a nice person today. Uh, please spread the word. Uh, the world needs more nice people out there. So just search Ball Till You Fall podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or basically just anywhere that you listen to podcasts out there. Again, we really appreciate the support and we'll talk to you next episode.